0: Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you've ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. Since 2009, our radio program hosted guest experts from around the globe sharing their perspectives, experiences, and expertise while giving you food for thought. If you can't listen live, then download and listen to any of our 300-plus podcasts in our library at texasconflictcoach.com. So, sit back, relax, or join the conversation every Tuesday evening or tweet us at TX Conflict Coach.
1: Good evening, listeners. I'm your special guest host, Abigail R.C. McManus, and with me tonight is Rose Gordon, a restorative justice facilitator. When we hear ideas and opinions that seem radically different than our own, our blood pressure rises and our ability to listen stops. What techniques can we use to increase trust and create the foundation for truly restorative conversations? How might we create an environment that encourages people to listen deeply and speak openly? In tonight's episode, Encouraging Restorative Community Conversations with the Comfort Zone, the Discomfort Zone, and the Alarm Zone in mind, we will explore how to facilitate conversations that will make a difference. Rose Gordon has been facilitating restorative justice for youth for over a decade. She facilitated restorative approaches training in New Mexico and Thailand and views restorative approaches as a way of building peaceful communities and an inoculation against violence. Rose is a program coordinator for Taos County Juvenile Justice Continuum, has been interviewed on Peace Talks Radio, is a member of the International Community of Restorative Researchers, co-hosted the Peace by Peace Western and Muslim Women's dialogues, and was invited to participate in the East Meets West Restorative Justice Summit in Turkey. We invite you listeners to call in and speak with us at 347-324-3591, engage with us in our chat room at Blog Talk Radio, or tweet us at hashtag conflict Conflict Chat. We would love for you to join us in these forums. Welcome to our program, Rose.
2: Hi. Thank you for having me, Abigail. Or should I actually say welcome back to our
1: program because you've been a guest on our show before?
2: Yes, I have. Thank you. I I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you tonight.
1: Yes, I've been been really looking forward to this conversation um, that we're about to have tonight.
2: Good. Me too.
1: I wanted to say the title, so the title of the program says Restorative Community Conversation. So, what is it that you think um, needs to be restored in the conversation?
2: I think in general that we need to recover our capacity for deep listening and authentic speech and to recover what I might call a fearless interest or willingness to hear another perspective and to trust that we can be present and we can communicate spontaneously and we can perhaps even some appreciation and wonder about the person that we're speaking with. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And when you, when you say
1: authentic speaking, just for listeners who might not be all, um, familiar with it, what that means, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about what authentic speaking is?
2: Sure. Um, to me, authentic speech or authentic speaking is about being honest and vulnerable So it's about using I statements, and it interestingly involves listening to ourselves as well and tuning in to what we're feeling and experiencing and thinking, and then speaking not just from our mind, but from our mind and our heart, and not crafting our words so carefully as we sometimes do, but really expressing Mm -hmm. ourselves in a spontaneous and heartfelt manner. I love that
1: speaking authentically, um, so we also talked about in the the title as well um about comfort zone, the discomfort zone, and the alarm zone. Can you give us kind of a brief overview of what each of those are? I know you want to dug deeper into them later on, but just kind of a brief overview
2: Sure, the comfort zone is where we usually hang out, so we usually spend time where we're with like minded people in a familiar environment. And we often spend time with people that we assume um, think the same way and share the same experiences. So that's our comfort zone, and and there's nothing wrong with that. We need that. That's a foundation for everything else. Then the discomfort zone, that's the place really where we learn. It's a place where we expand our perspective of the world because we're receiving new information, information, We are receiving another perspective, perhaps. So that's where an aha moment can happen, and it's really the place where transformation and growth are most possible. And then the alarm zone, well, in the alarm zone, we're scared. We feel our identity or our ideas are being threatened, and usually we run back as fast as we can to the comfort zone, And we shut down a little, we stop listening perhaps, and that really inhibits conversation for sure. And it inhibits the possibility for transformation and receiving a new idea.
1: So just to recap, so the comfort zone is more just like where we hang out on our regular basis. We're usually always kind of looking for our comfort zone or feeling in our comfort zone. And then Mm -hmm. the discomfort zone is more like where we are just move. It doesn't necessarily have to be way out. It just can be even just a little slight change or pace in what we normally do, and that could be a discomforting aspect of it. And that's where you kind of learn to grow, and that's where the transformations occur. And then the alarm zone is kind of where we thats what – I'm sorry?
2: I said that's what I've noticed. You're correct about the discomfort zone, yeah. It definitely makes sense. And then the alarm
1: zone, you're saying, is is kind of much new, but it's a process encounter. And uh, we try to run back to the comfort zone as soon as we get into the alarm zone.
2: Yeah. So that's a place if we're talking about having a restorative conversa- conversation, and we can talk about this a bit later, we want to avoid pushing people into the alarm zone if the goal is really to learn and expand we don't want to do things that create fear. Mhm.
1: Mhm.
2: And I mean it all that all
1: makes sense and it's so fun. It's funny when on our planning call when you broke all this down, it, it it makes so much sense because you can kind of sense that and even since our conversation I've thought about that a lot too, like okay, I'm in a comfort zone right now and then when I move just a little bit out of it, I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little discomforted and then I can sense when there's an alarm zone popping up and then I I've noticed like I run right back to the comfort zone. It's very interesting if you take kind of some time to sit and think about it, how often that happens Mm -hmm. in your day-to-day life. Um, Yeah. So I just just want to take, sorry, I just want to take a quick second to remind our listeners that you're listening to the Texas Conflict Coach, a blog talk radio program. We um, invite you all to follow us on blog talk radio, and I'm speaking right now with Rose Gordon. So we had just got done mentioning the comfort zone, the discomfort zone, and the alarm zone. So why do these zones matter, and what techniques and strategies can we have to navigate through these zones?
2: Uh, Good question. So they matter because they affect the possibility of our growth, and they can either foster foster an environment where we can expand from where we usually hang out, or they can block it. Each of those zones contributes to uh the comfort zone is kind of a foundation that's a launching place, and if we have enough of that, then we can move in and tolerate a bit of discomfort and If we have too much discomfort, then there's that chance of of running right into the alarm zone, so they matter because it's how we relate to one another and how we grow and develop in our lives um the very simple techniques really in terms of the comfort zone we can address that physically as well as in other ways so we can make sure there's simple things like the correct amount of space between chairs if people are in a circle so that they have some personal space that doesn't feel invaded we create a safe container then that's a foundation for them to make um to have a conversation that feels positive so we can create guidelines for the conversation that people participate in Uh, like one person will speak at a time or using the talking piece just simple things that help create a container that's a foundation for trust and then the And also sharing the same information at the same time in front of everyone so that nobody feels that some people um, have been party to information that others haven't. Um, To navigate through the discomfort zone, I often remind people early on I acknowledge that these kinds of conversations, vulnerable, honest conversations, are already a little bit disquieting. There's already a little bit of discomfort, and that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, we, can, we can take a breath. We can take a deep breath because we're liable to hear things that don't match our perspective. And we don't, the beautiful thing is we don't have to agree on it. We're just talking about receiving the information. So I often remind people, if you hear something that's really disturbing, just inhale and exhale. There's no pressure to agree or to argue with what we're hearing. We can relax a bit. Um, to uh, and the and
1: real, yeah, I wonder, real quick, have you noticed that in um, just your day-to-day, just you were talking about the personal space, um, correct? You know, having good personal mm-hmm. space can bring a level of comfort to somebody. Have you recognized that if you get allow people to have that personal space that they will be more likely to open up and have the conversation?
2: Definitely. So, Definitely. Um, you know, different, in different cultural settings, you might want more space than in others, Um, but that definitely makes a difference. And the other piece of personal space is in the guidelines. When we talk about one person speaking at a time, we're allowing them space to express themselves. When we talk about using respectful language or using I statements in a conversation, we're respecting personal space because we're asking people not to... Talk about what the person before them said, not to turn a conversation into a debate. Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. the, the question of personal space can be addressed in a few different ways. Mm-hmm.
1: And when you're saying and I statements, so for our listeners, when when we're saying I statements, we're saying I feel you know, that would be the type of I statement. You're saying I feel such and such way about something. That would be the way to incorporate an I statement rather than making a point pointed. you always do this. You would say I feel that when you do whatever it is that you're doing, it hurts my feelings. And and it's so funny that you bring up the vulnerable and the honesty because in this day and age, especially with how things are so heightened with politics right now, being able to understand that you know this, there's going to be a level of discomfort where we all don't get along, but being able to listen and, like you said, take some deep breaths and just acknowledge the fact that you might not get along with everybody or believe the same thing as everyone else in the group, even that will cause you a bit of discomfort, but it, it's okay.
2: Yeah, I think it is okay. And the other thing I would add is to bring um, some curiosity to the situation. So mm-hmm. if we're curious, about someone else's point of view or their feelings or their perspectives, we're less likely to get afraid and reactive, and we're less likely to feel that we have to defend our point of view. We can listen to them with a little more of an open heart, even if it's uncomfortable. I like that I, I think that's,
1: I think that's an excellent way to be just in regular life like i said just because we run into people that disagree with us on so many things on every day so being able to be curious and and you know get to know the other person's perspective if so many people took the time to do that i think a lot of people would get maybe not maybe not completely change their mind but they might gain a different perspective that they didn't
2: know existed Yeah, I don't think, for me, the purpose of a restorative conversation isn't to change somebody's mind, because when we do that, we are introducing um, a pressure and almost a kind of violence. If we're really talking about restorative conversations, we don't need to change anybody's mind. I'm mostly encouraging people to receive each other kind of the way dry earth receives rain, which is a big deal here in the Southwest where I live. And when the earth is dry and it rains, the earth softens, and it comes back to life and things start to bloom. And if we can listen to people with a little bit more ease and a little less fear, receiving them like rain... You know, who knows what will bloom in us, and certainly we can mm. soften it in how we respond to them. It does not mean that we have to agree with what they're saying, but we can walk away with maybe something new to consider and remembering that this person's a human being. So I'm talking about a situation where people are willing to be this way. I'm not talking about um, a full blown conflict. Because people are in the alarm zone, then they are not listening um, I'm not suggesting you do this during a conflict at a protest march or anything. Mm-hmm. We do this with people who are willing to take the risk and willing to be vulnerable and honest is it and
1: i well I love the analogy of the rain and and receiving like receiving the rain that that just is an awesome analogy to have and When you say to to touch on something else that you said, you said alarm zones and, you know, having a conversation with someone that's willing to talk. Is there a way that you can tell when someone's willing to talk and open to kind of moving forward and having a discussion that might not be in everyone's comfort zone, but I'm just curious.
2: Yeah. I I think um, we invite them. (laughs) So if it's a, I think you start these things with people you already like a little bit or know someone (laughs) (laughs) and, and express curiosity, right? Um, So Mm -hmm. you can invite someone and say, you know, we haven't agreed on this and this is such a hot button topic, but I value our friendship or I value the fact that we're in the same church together or the same school or this anything, you know, the same, um, feeding the homeless project. Um, And because I value our relationship, I'm really curious about why we, what it is that we feel that puts us in such polarized positions. And someone will say yes or no, you know, and we, so we ask Mm -hmm. someone if willing on a one-to-one basis. And in terms of a, a circle conversation, Again, it would be an invitation. We want to address this question, um, and are you interested in participating? And I think you can tell a lot in body language too. Someone crosses Absolutely. their arms tightly in front of their chest and moves away from you; they're not ready mm-hmm. to talk, and to respect that. And and so
1: I would imagine that would that would be something that would maybe trigger the alarm zone you would notice that maybe once the person closes off and puts their arms folds their arms that might be a sign that things are not things are not going the way that they should and maybe people would start retreating back to the comfort zone
2: well it, it would let us know that well that we've hit a hot spot a little too hot and that's when mm-hmm. i would invite people to take a break you know it would be whatever we seem to have hit a hot spot here maybe it's time to take a break and go have some water or move around or it depends on the situation but we can coax people back out but mostly mm-hmm. i prefer to, um, to not set off the alarm buttons in the first place use respectful language mm-hmm. don't attack, don't attack what someone has just said but stay with myself and express what's true for me because really, being present that way, listening to myself as well in a, as another person, that's enough of a challenge, right? So I'd, I don't mm-hmm. need to be focusing on, on um, controlling how they're feeling, but really focusing on staying true to what I want to say and being respectful of their feelings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And
1: I think... You know, like you said, using language, avoid using, um, you, avoid saying things or, um, you know, just staying focused on yourself. Like you said, it's a very hard task in, in general, um, kind of being mindful of what you're saying. And because once we get heated in conflict, you know, things can escalate pretty quickly or, um, you know, we'll say things we don't necessarily mean in the heat of anger. So being very mindful of ourselves is very important, I think, in conflict as well.
2: Absolutely Abigail and I think part of this really it depends a lot on the intention of the conversation. Why are we gathering? What is it we're really aimed to do? If we're trying to change minds, that's a different kind of encounter. But if we're there curious and in a kind way, in a gentle way, interested in this other person, where are they coming from? What can I learn from this? that's that's a different kind of container, and I think we get to avoid the alarm zone if we remember the intention of why we're there, and and don't do things that trigger mm-hmm. other people. You no, know will trigger them because that doesn't serve our intention. Mm-hmm. And I and I love that remembering the intention
1: of why you're there um, because I think so often we go into com- a lot of times just even if you just watch television, you see it all the time that people are always going at things with the intent of changing that person's mind. And like you said, if you go about it being curious and just trying to get gathered, you're more likely to have a better outcome, I think, than if you go in with the intention of changing someone's mind. Because people hold so hard to their values and their beliefs, so it's very difficult to kind of take that – be curious if you're going in there with a different intention. That's such a good way to look at it, too, and remind yourselves while we're in the heat of a conversation.
2: Yeah, and, and I think for, for me, my experience has been that really change happens through the heart, not just through the mind. So when we're softening mm-hmm. and the atmosphere is soft because people are really listening and they're being vulnerable and they're being honest, there's a different atmosphere, and that allows people's hearts to open a little bit. And we start with gentle questions. We don't go straight for... um for conflict at all
0: so you mm-hmm. might
2: start with questions like what's the best thing that happened to you this week and everybody answers that or what do you like about our community and everyone answers that so you're weaving a container again where people can see where where they're like-minded rather than focusing immediately on where they're different and where there's disagreement that's a hard place to start hmm hmm
1: And I think we often forget to look for the like mindedness in one another too. We all, there there's a lot of times in conversations it goes right to the differences sometimes. And I think focusing on the thing where you are in agreement can also help be very like help with the conversations and allow people to kind of see where they can have similarities before they can open up
2: just what you just said. Absolutely, and I notice in restorative justice, especially we with juveniles and
0: offenders
2: and victims we we start um, letting different the different folks involved know that they have similar cares and concerns, and that helps mm-hmm. remind people of shared humanity and again we 're not diving right into the hot spot of the difference and the conflict and we're not trying to change anybody's mind and they can keep breathing easily and relax because we're not debating. We're not deciding right or wrong or debating. We're just listening so that we have more information and an expanded understanding. Mm -hmm. Excellent.
1: Well, uh, Rose, we are getting ready. Uh, we are reaching the end of our program and, uh, our listeners are familiar mm-hmm. with the three part closing. So, um, mm-hmm. the first is we usually have an assignment for a week or a call to action that we give to our listeners. Um, so I wanted to ask you, is there an assignment or a call to action that you would like to post to our listeners to work on this week?
2: Well, I would um, I'd invite people to see if they can identify and r- write down three things that matter to them in a conversation or what makes a conversation feel alive and positive for them. Um, that's an important thing for us to know. And then maybe to identify three things that happen during the week that put them into the alarm zone a time when they felt that their identity or their beliefs were being threatened or challenged in a really uncomfortable way. And maybe what what did they learn from that? So that would be excellent. my call that's to a, action.
1: That, they, that's a really good call to action. And I think when people stop to think and really think about it, it, it will become more aware of it as they're going on throughout their week. That's an excellent call to action. Mm-hmm. So, Rose, I want to make sure that people know how to find you and get a hold of you. Um, what, where can our listeners find you to get more information about
2: the work you do and whatnot? Um, my website is www.circleofcompassionatecare, all one word, .com. So that's circleofcompassionatecare.com, Or Twitter, my address is Rose. Taos, T-A-O-S, where I live. Um, people can also reach me at my um, email if they like it, redroses at, red at com, And be sure to put something in the subject so I know you're not a scam or spam. <laughs> and
1: just to make, I just want to, for uh, Twitter, I just want to make sure it t- you said it's T-A-O-S, so rose at T-A-O-S, correct?
2: Yes. No. It's Rose Taos is one word.
1: Mhm. All one word, but it's T A O S. I just want yeah. to
2: make sure the listener. Yeah. T A O S Okay.
1: Well, Rose, it has been great to speak with you tonight, and um, I want to give you the final message to leave with our li- with our listeners.
2: Okay. Thank you. Um, my message would be that I know. That we can trust ourselves to communicate more deeply and more richly when both our hearts and our minds are engaged. And that this kind of conversation, a restorative conversation, takes practice. So practice with people you trust first and then broaden your conversation. And contact me and tell me how it goes. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Rose. It's been a
1: pleasure talking with you.
2: Thank you, Abigail. Pleasure talking with you as well. I hope you have a lovely evening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you've enjoyed the program. You can find over 300 podcasts archived to listen at your own convenience at texasconflictcoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. To learn about upcoming radio programs and resources, sign up for our monthly e-newsletter.